Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, it is good to be in here and not be snowed in. Amen? How many enjoyed it yesterday? You got to know as a preacher, it's just a, a two-edged sword. You know, you see the snow and you're like, oh, we can play in the snow. There's not going to be church tomorrow. You know, it's, it's, it's so on. Um, this was a great compromise today. Amen? Amen. So glad you guys are here, filling the room, and um, thanks for coming out. For those that are on our Facebook Live, hey guys, you're almost saved. It's all right. No, no, no. I'm glad some stayed home today and watching it online. What's neat about this is we're in a 50-day journey experiencing Jesus through this series called The Cross Before Me. We're looking at the seven IMs of Jesus, and today we're on the fifth one, so we're pretty close to a little over halfway to the end, so I really didn't want to miss today. And so I'm glad we're here today to, to learn, and we're here today to be able to have this on Facebook Live. For those that can't come, they can catch up, right? Amen? Be able to listen to it, be able to jump into this week's reading time. How many's enjoying the scripture readings, that chapter a day? Good, good, good. I'm telling you right now, I have been seeing so many people telling stories about having dreams, having words from the Lord, having experiences. You know why? Because you're putting the word in you. Amen? When you start to go after Jesus, the Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Amen? And when you start to do that, amazing things starts to happen. I don't know about y'all. I think living the Christian life any other way is boring. You're right. I want to live it in a way that we see the power and presence of God manifest in our lives every day. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're going to go into the subject of the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Everybody say that. I am the resurrection and the life. For those that are new with us, we've been looking in the book of John at the seven I am's of Jesus, and we're just on a journey of embracing who he is and what that means in our lives. And so most of us as Christians, we have no idea of the spiritual power that belongs to us. Do you realize that? Not because of the spiritual power that we possess because of us, but because of who possesses us. Jesus, and, and because we are his and he is ours in a sense, because of that, there is power on pipe. How many ride motorcycles? Anybody? You know what I mean by on pipe, you know? You, you turn that throttle, brr, come on, somebody. You're, you know, there's power on pipe, you know? There, it's, it's, wrong, it's ready, and it's not yours, it's his, this resurrection power. But so often we think that just means we get to go to heaven, but it means so much more than that. And my prayer is that today, before we finish, we're going to see in Scripture that power in demonstration, and we're going to see in Scripture that power and purpose when it comes to our lives. Turn your Bibles, if you would, over to John. Let's go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I, I can give you a, a real deep, supernatural, spiritual picture to help you understand what I mean by how you, you may have something, but you don't know what you have, all right? You, you may have possession of something, but you don't realize what possession that you have. You, you may have supply, shout supply. You may have provision, shout provision. You may have a source, shout source, but you don't even know what you have. Come listen to a story about a man named Jed. Come on, somebody. 
A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Do y'all know this one? Can you shout it with me? Ha, hallelujah. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground came some. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll preach people. Can we go deeper a little bit? All oh, that is black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a... Kim folks said Jed move. Yeah, said California's a place you ought to be. They load up the truck and they move to Beverly. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Here's the thing about that. He didn't know the oil was always there in the first place. There was supply. There was source. There was all that he needed in the first place. Pastor, that's just a song and just a story. I know, and so is this book if you don't let it get real to you. That's all this is. It's just a bunch of stories. But when you say, Jesus, your resurrection power, I recognize it. I understand it. Let it bubble up in my life and do something. Oh, you'll have more than Beverly Hills to celebrate. Amen. I'm tired of seeing people treat it just like a story. No, it's everything. It's supply and provision and source. It's resurrection power just waiting to come to the surface. Amen. Amen. Mm, that was deep. Shout, that was deep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's true, though. So let's first look at resurrection power and demonstration, all right? Can we stand to our feet? I want to take you into a story about a man by the name of Lazarus who is a friend of Jesus, close, deep, deep friend to Jesus. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're in a town called Bethany, just a few miles from Jerusalem that Jesus would go and respite. He would go and spend time. This is the same Mary that would kneel at Jesus' feet and take her hair and take the oil and pour it onto Jesus' feet. This is that same family that he's so intimate and so close with. And the story goes that Lazarus dies and they send word to Jesus to come because if they'll come, they know he's powerful. They've seen signs and wonders and miracles. This isn't a miracle that's happened within the first few months of his ministry. This is a miracle that's happened probably about six months before he goes to the cross. So in that last season of his three years of ministry. So these are people that have seen his work firsthand and they want him to come because their brother is sick and if you'll come you'll be able to heal him but he loves him so much he waits i don't get that but thank god his resurrection power isn't bound to time amen and so he waits and two days later he ends up going now he's been dead or or waits a couple days that's well as a couple days goes by finally it's four days this man's been dead and finally he shows up to do a miracle now watch john 11 verse 17 now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. They're sitting shiva. They're, they're sitting for those days after death, mourning the love of, of the, their, their brother, their family member, their friend. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that today as we ever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus, in your name, I pray that today as we leave, we'll understand the demonstration of your power. But we'll also see the purpose of your power, both in our lives personally and through our lives to the lives of those who are desperately in need of a touch from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seats. 
So Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I absolutely love this man is dead. He's in the tomb. And Martha, I love the audacity of hope that Martha possessed. I mean, just think what she just said. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's true. All right. That's what she feels. But even now. I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Isn't that crazy? He's been in the tomb four days. And she has this simple faith, this audacious hope that even now, he's dead, Jesus. But here's the thing. I've seen too much, Jesus, to not think that you can make a difference no matter how dark this moment looks. Man, I want a church full of people, and you may not have that story now. Maybe we haven't been living such a way that we start to see those stories replicated in and through this house. But that's changing, baby. 2020, that's changing. And I want to have a house where we see these stories over and over and over, where people say, it's dark. But God, I know you're about to do something. I don't know how. It's dead. It stinks. But I know you're up to something. Man. That's what I want to see, having that kind of faith that Martha had in that moment. Now, was she not, she was frustrated to all get out. She was frustrated, but in the midst of that frustration, still had faith. Martha had seen too much not to think that Jesus couldn't do something. Now, watch verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And so then Martha, she says to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus wanted her to understand we're not talking about an event we're talking about a person. We're not talking about the resurrection. We're talking about the resurrection. Come on. And so he says, she's like, I know in the resurrection. I, I get in here. No, 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 no. Whoever he says this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter what event you're going through because it's not about events. It's about me. And I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Shout the Christ. The son of God who is coming into the world. And so we see a couple things here. He declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And she ties it to Old Testament. The word be referring to who he is. She had seen so much that she knew he was the Messiah. The word Christ, Christos, or Christos in the Greek is the same word where we get Messiah in the Hebrew, Meshach. We see the same word. It, you know what it means? It just means the anointed one. That's it. So, of course, I believe you're the anointed one. And you carry power and anointing upon you. You are the Christ, the anointed one. And the ministry that poured out of Jesus, that ministry came from the anointing of God that was upon him because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, like I said, this happened toward the end of his ministry. But we start to see this idea of the anointing upon Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. Turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 4. Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted. On the backside of that temptation, he's led back into the community. He comes to Nazareth. He goes into a synagogue. He grabs the Torah. He grabs the old scrolls, and he begins to, to point out this scripture. And here's what he reads. Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surrounding county or country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he comes to Nazareth. This is his hometown where he had been brought up. And as was his custom... He went to the synagogue of the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. I love this. 
We want what Jesus has, but we won't do what Jesus does. Okay? And so, I'm not, can, I just, can I just parenthetically insert something here? As was his custom, he went to church. Right? I mean, that's what he said. Now, he's Messiah. Christ, God Almighty, anointed, the fulfillment of the prophecy I'm about to read. And as was his custom, he still showed up. You know why he showed up? Because he was still 100% man. This is why he went to God in prayer. This is why he fasted. This is why he sought the Lord. This is why he would declare things in faith. This is why he would surround himself in community. This is why, amen? He was even in a small group. You guys do that, right? I'm serious. Isn't that cool? Jesus was a part of a journey group. James, Peter, and John. Yeah, those three, that was his homies. That was his group, you know. And so as was his custom. Man, you know what? I have a feeling if we start doing some as are his customs in our own life, we'll start to see some of the same kind of resurrection power that he moved in. Amen? Just have a belief in that. And it's not because we're special, you know. I mean, your preacher just preached the Beverly Hillbillies. It's not because we're special. It's because we're going to do as he calls us to do, you know. How many, how many of you have in the last five weeks, you've been doing things you haven't normally done? You know, just a consistency. Yeah, a dedication, a, a humility to the word. Yeah, it's going to produce hmm. in development in 2020. That's what I told you this year is all about. It's going to produce it. Hmm. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and the scroll, the prophet Isaiah, was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, and here it is, ready? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. There's that word. This is where we get the idea that he is the anointed one, the Christ, or the Meshach, the Messiah. We see that. To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. To me, this resurrection power that comes is more than just getting to heaven. It's all of this. It's all that he is. I am the resurrection and the life. So to the poor man who has no money, man, his funds are broke. His funds are dead. He needs his funds to be brought back to life. Amen? You see that? For the blind man, his eyes are dead. He needs his eyes to be brought back to life. That's resurrection power. Not an event. A person. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the power. Well, this is where that anointing we begin to see is upon him. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of Jubilee. What does that mean, Pastor? Every 50 years, they had this amazing experience in their community, in their culture, where everything that was taken from you, you got it back. All that debt, gone. Amen? How many would like a year of Jubilee? Yeah, that's what this power, this resurrection power brings, man. It's, it's that idea that when God comes, we start taking stuff back. The enemy tried to bring death, but we take life back. The enemy tried to bring discouragement, but we take hope back. Mm. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. I love this. It's like, boom. I mean, I know he didn't have that kind of smugness. If I was Jesus, I would be all attitude. I really would. I would just be like, yo, what, you know? But he rolls up the scroll, and he's like, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Like, this is today. And I'm today, you just experienced this today. This is who has walked up into your church today. And I'm telling you right now, this is who is walking up into Momentum Church today. It's Jesus, the one with resurrection power, amen, and life. Hmm. Whew, that's so good. 
But Mary, to the midst of it, he just said, she's like, if you would have come, she's frustrated. But it doesn't frustrate Jesus. Jesus knows. Jesus can see in time and time and story and story, even the Israelite story, so many stories of just how everything was at the point of death or destruction, and then God turned it around. I love it that we as Christians, we don't hide our warts, you know? The, the scriptures, we don't hide our stuff. There's adulterers, there's adulteresses, there's thieves, there's cheats. There, and I'm just talking about Jesus' grandmas. <laughs> there, true. Am, am, I, am I telling the truth, Pastor Terry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that we have a bunch of... Re- I, can I tell you how blessed we are at this church? Man, I, I'm just going to take one second. Pastor Rick Boudry, are you in here? I don't know if he is. Retired AG pastor. Pastor Terry, retired AG pastor. Where's Pastor Mike? Pastor Mike, retired AG pastor. I better keep my stuff straight. <laughs> when I say AG, it's assemblies of God. These are We're honored that in retirement they choose to be here. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Man, can you give them applause? So Jesus, he, 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 you know, Martha, Mary, they're all discouraged. Let's go to verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again. He came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, or come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Amen? There's a few things I see in this that I want to kind of talk about, all right? And, and, and sometimes when you preach, you, you preach very exegetically. And what that means is we're not going to take anything that the Scripture's not saying. We're just going to take the Scripture and pull from it. Ever so often, you'll preach eisegetically. You'll, you'll speak into it, okay? And, and, and I'm seeing something here because I've been telling you this whole time, edge of the day that Jesus is saying, I believe is a contradiction or a, a, it stands in contrast to the religion of the day, okay? To where... The scribes and Pharisees, the teachers, the religious leaders of the day had taken the faith, had bastardized the Jewish faith at that point, and how far it got from God's intention. And I believe the truths we're seeing in these IMs and these miracles that are happening, these experiences around these declarations, I believe are declarations that stand in contrast to dead religion and let us come to life in new hope of new faith and new, new I don't call it religion, but new relationship with Jesus, okay? So can I, can I play around with this a little bit? Is that okay? Now, I'm not going to say this is 100% doctrinal, okay? We're going to jump into some doctrine, but just the jumping off point. <clears throat> By now, he stinks. By now, Jesus, he stinks. This, this, this man buried in a tomb, in a tomb, we're going to come back to that, in a sepulcher, in a tomb, this man buried by now, he stinks. And as I was reading that, my mind started thinking that this is a symbolism of the spiritual climate of those that Jesus is ministering to. 
that their faith is welled up in whited sepulchers. Their faith is welled up in tombs that, that, that is just religion of death, if you will. Not that that was the intention. So can I just say that sometimes as Christians, when it comes to ministering to Jewish people, we mess up. Because we make it sound like Christianity is great and Judaism is bad. No, Jesus came not to do away with Judaism, but to fulfill it, if you will. Not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. It's humans, it's people that love manipulation and control that got involved. And by the time Jesus came along, it was something that had become very corrupt. Amen? The scribes and Pharisees had missed it. And symbolically, I believe, they had caused that faith to be something that was full of dead men's bones, if you will. Wasn't the intention. So this idea. So this morning, I want to see the resurrection power, not just in demonstration. We already seen that. Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. We see the demonstration of power, but also want to see some purpose to it. And I think there's some purpose we can see in resurrection power that we need purposefully in our own lives. And then we'll see how this plays out through our lives. So here we go. You guys ready to go a little deep? Ready? Put your boots on, okay? That can mean a lot of stuff. Let's not, let's not say put your boots on. I won't ever say that again. The law up to this point, because men had got involved, all right? When I say the law, I'm talking about the, the Pentateuch, the first five books, that which is so good, that gives us a primer and understanding of who God is and his character and how he relates to us and, and those laws that he would love for us to live. All those things up to this point were, were beautiful. I mean, you know what all David, the psalmist, ever had was this? The Old Testament? This is all he ever had. And he would say, the word is like honey and a honeycomb to my lips. I mean, when we look at this old law, it's not, a, it's not something that is burdensome. It's beautiful. It's, it's so many people begin for. It's freeing. It's life. It's, it's all those things. But because so many people begin to add things to it, and have the hypocrisy of self-righteousness and comparison and all that. It had become something that was just a work of the flesh. All right? So think of this, the law of the flesh, the work of the flesh. In contrast to the law of the spirit, the work of the spirit in our lives. Okay? One brings death. One brings life. In your reading this week, if you were reading, you came into Matthew chapter 23, and you came across the seven woes that were spoken to the scribes and Pharisees, the spiritual leaders. And so the seven woes, these are their leaders. These are who have led them down this path where now the law that was to be beautiful has become something of death. It's become something that separates. It's become something that, that attacks and is used to destroy and bring people down. And so now they get to that point, and Jesus in Matthew 23, begins to give them these woes i'm not gonna go through all of them but he would say y'all preach but you don't practice it you preach it but you don't practice it he would say that you put heavy burdens of religion on people but you're not willing to help lift the burdens off of people pharisees sadducees scribes people desperately need life but literally he says you shut them out of the kingdom of heaven you shut the kingdom of heaven in their face this is the woes that he's saying to him. He's coming against them. I love this one. They, they, they tithed. You all tithed all the way down to your spices. How many you have a nice spice rack at home? Have you ever felt the inclination to take your spices and bring them to the house of the Lord and give 10% of your spices to Jesus? Man. I have to be nice to her. That, that's our grandmother-in-law, so i got to be nice to her. 
But I was just going to say, keep your stuff at your house. <laughs> but, but they were tithing their, their mint, their cumin, all their little spices, but they were not walking in this. They weren't walking of the things of the scriptures. They weren't walking in mercy and justice and faithfulness. They weren't walking in those things that bring life. They weren't walking those things that literally cause people to be resurrected to hope. If not physical life, but emotional and spiritual hope, spiritual life. Now, what Jesus said to him is, you ought to have tithe these things. This is why I believe in tithing, because Jesus actually said that. You ought to tithe. So Jesus said it, not me. You ought to go to church, and you ought to tithe. That's what he said, right? So, you ought to tithe, but it says here, you ought to tithe. Um, where is it at? You ought to tie these, but not neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In other words, there's things that bring life to people. You should be giving and doing those things. But man, these Pharisees, they just love to be able to live that life that everybody could see all big and bloated up. And, and, and those things, justice, mercy, and, and faithfulness, that's what brings true life to people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Here's what I'm thinking when I got to this idea of the tomb and Lazarus is in the tomb. He looks at these Pharisees and scribes and he says, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. You are like whitewashed tombs or sepulchers full of dead men's bones. That's awesome. You ever, you ever want to like come back, have a comeback? You know what I'm saying? But you can't. And then like about... Ten minutes later, ooh, that's what I would have told them. And then you're in your car, and you're just like, ooh, if I get another chance. And then God's like, no, because you should just submit that to me. And, and, but you're like, but God, if you'll release me, I, I would tell them. Well, Jesus, man, this was the ultimate comeback. Not only did he rise in three days, this was a pretty good comeback, too. You know? He just like slams them. You appear beautiful on the outside, he says, but inside full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. They had led the people into corrupting the beauty of God's laws and had turned those laws into death. And I see the raising of Lazarus as a picture of Jesus' power to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. He had him come out. He had him unbound. It's still Lazarus. It's not somebody new. It's Lazarus. But he's bound. He's constrained. Religion will always constrain you. Relationship will set you free. Now, he doesn't just set him free by himself. He tells the people, y'all lose him. Because it takes a journey group. Amen? It takes people together. Amen? To be able to be loosed and to be freed. But we can see here that he's driving it to relationship. It's not, it's not the old law. It's this new thing of the Spirit. It's this resurrection power thing. It's this thing that brings life. Amen? Shout life. life. So the old isn't removed. The old is fulfilled. And we see flesh and death in contrast to spirit and the life. We begin to see this in New Testament. Spirit and life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We begin to see this in New Testament theology and Pauline theology. That's Paul as he writes in Romans. You can see in Romans chapter 8, it says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Amen? We've been set free from old religion, brought newness of life through the spirit. The Holy Spirit, what he's doing in our lives, brought to newness of life. So there's a contrast between spirit and life, or rather spirit and flesh, and life and death. 
And Paul begins to unfold that a little bit more in Romans chapter 8. By the time we get to verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. All Mary and Martha could see in that moment was the flesh was dead and put into a tomb. They couldn't see the resurrection and the power. The spirit, if you will, had already arrived on the scene to make a difference. All right? So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. There it is. These were people that thought they were submitted to God's law, but their minds were submitted to their own flesh, their own desires, their own des- like, like will and wishes, and it led them far away. That's why it becomes a law of death. For the, the, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Everybody tap yourself. So we're going to look here in a little bit about this Holy Spirit that dwells in us, all right? Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, That idea of the resurrection power, this same spirit we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, just a few more verses. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, the old King James, I think New King James, those versions say that his spirit will quicken your mortal body. And that idea of quicken is just an old English way of saying life. To quicken is to be quick. It's just your, your life. So to quicken a mortal body is the idea that it is revived and is caused to live anew. Okay? Revived and caused to be made alive anew. And so we can see here that the same spirit. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That sounds like quickening. And so when you come into faith in Christ, you have been quickened. Quickened for what? To live according to the Spirit. That brings life. Not to be empowered to live according to death, or the law, the flesh that continues to bring death, but according to the Spirit that brings life, not just in you, but life in others. We'll get to that in a second. So Jesus, this Holy Spirit that came, literally Jesus was 100% man. He was. He was 100% God. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit that he needed as well to raise him from the grave. And we still need the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we lean in as well, amen? Amen? Yeah. So as we lean into Jesus, his Holy Spirit, as we get saved, comes to live within us. And as we lean into Jesus, this is the reason why people are having dreams right now and getting prophetic words and getting understanding and revelation and excited about the things of God. Because they're allowing themselves to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in their lives. The Spirit that is the resurrection power of God in us. They're allowing him to have that power evident in them. Amen? So Jesus, he quickens us, or he is quickened. Then we see here the purpose is to quicken us to salvation, number one, but also to quicken us to be able to be used by him, all right? We are quickened for a reason, quickened for a reason. So another purpose, so we see the demonstration of the power, of the the resurrection power through Jesus bringing forth Lazarus from the dead and so many other miracles, but we start to see the purpose of the resurrection power is to bring you from the dead. That's the first thing. 
so that you're not bound to have to live according to the flesh that brings death, but you have an ability to be empowered or quickened by the Spirit to live the things of the Spirit that brings life. Make sense? Or do we want to just be real satisfied looking the part and just being dead men's bones in some whited sepulcher? Amen? I don't. I just don't, I don't want to be satisfied like that. No. So that's the first purpose is us being changed by the resurrection power. And, and that would be one of those things to where, <clears throat> I love this. I can't do it. Gary, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. Whatever that might be. It's like, you know, walk free in this. I just, I just can't. I just, you know what probably a better way of saying is, is don't say I can't. Say, what can I do too? I, I want to walk free, but I can't. Okay, stop saying that. What can I do to walk free? What can I experience to walk free? What can I choose to walk free? And I'm telling you right now, if you lean into things of the Spirit, the Bible says you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? The Spirit of life. And it's not counteracting things through behavioral modification. One of my buddies and I have been talking about this. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about resurrection power, tapping into Jesus, running into that relationship, the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead, quickening your old mortal fleshly body, and next thing you know, something happens, and you're stopping saying, I can't, and you're saying, what can I do too? And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things you can do is get closer to things of God and ask him to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to fill you in such a way with the power of the Holy Spirit that, man, life is just the go-to. Life becomes what's probable, not just what's possible. Amen? It becomes the norm, not the exception. Amen? As long as they were in the system of religion, but I, I think about that. The Pharisees loved them to be in the system because as long as they were in the system of religion, they won. Do you know the devil would love for us just to be religious and never really be free? Amen. He would love for us to experience the law of flesh and just walk in death. But Jesus has come to bring resurrection power so that we can walk in newness of life. Amen? So, quick and for a reason, personally, it's for us, but there's another purpose of the resurrection power. It's not just to change us. Watch this. We are awakened to life so that we can be agents that bring life to others. Amen. Shout the anointing. Shout this, say, the anointing, the anointing of, God of God is in my life. In my life. Say, the anointing, the anointing of, God of God is on me. On me. Yeah, because we're his emissaries. That same spirit raises us to do a work. And so with that, that spirit of the Lord that was upon Jesus that anointed him, it's upon us to proclaim good news to the poor. It's upon us to set people free and to proclaim liberty to the captives. It's on us to see sight come to the blind. It's on us to set liberty those who are bound. It's on us to see things come back, amen, to preach the, the favor of the Lord. So this week, remind yourself as you're reading, we start John chapter 1 today. Remind yourself as you're reading your verses this week who you are, who he is, that his resurrection power, man, he can demonstrate that power and he can change everything, anything. Nothing's beyond that power. No matter if it stinks and it's been dead four days, it does not matter. So it's not about an event. It's about a person. He is the resurrection of life. Not You're going to show up at the resurrection in the life. Amen. Number two, with that as you're reading, Lord, help me understand and show me how I can submit myself to you so that I can live through the Holy Spirit so that the works of the flesh die and the works of the Spirit manifest and show up so that old ways pass away and new things start to happen in my life. Amen? 
But number three, I want you to be agents of change in people's lives. So this week, here's what our, our, our experiential is, okay? Last week, I had you quiet for 10 minutes, just every day, just quiet before the Lord. This week, I don't care how long you pray, all right? But I want you to take some time to fill up. Just imagine that you're being filled from the presence and power of God, this resurrection power. And so I want you to pray to be filled by his resurrection, resurrection power. Then when you go out into the world this week, all right, every day, I want you to pour. So that's it. Everybody say pray. pray. And then say pour. pour. Say pray, pray. And say pour. pour. Man, I'll tell you right now, if a church will pray and pour, we'll change a world. That's really all Christianity is. I mean, I've taught you that before. You know, that, that if you go to bed at night with you from God, breathe out, give. <laughs> you know, serve, do something. Like every day. If, you're, if, you're, if you go to bed at night with your head on the pillow and you go, oh, I breathed in a lot today from the things of God, but I didn't breathe out. I didn't do, man, wake up, go do something that night. No, I'm teasing. Don't let too many nights go by. Without, now, maybe there's days where like, I've been serving and serving and doing and doing and going and going. You know, oh, my gosh, I haven't, I haven't breathed in. So pray, receive, and pour. Well, pastor, what do you mean pour? I don't know. I just believe the resurrection power of God's in you. And as you go forth, if you're praying, the Lord's going to show you. And it may be you buy somebody a cup of coffee in Jesus' name. It may be that God gives you a prophetic word. What's a prophetic word? It's not a word that tells future. It's a word spoken forth-telling from God in that moment. It's a timely, God-given word. And I know God's given you those, and you're afraid to share it. You know how you share that? You, you go, hey, Renee, I, this may not mean nothing to you, but I was praying, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share this with you. And take it for what it is, and then just speak it. Doesn't take the pressure off? Yeah, yeah. And I can't tell you how often that person will be like, and you know what that's cool about that? If God will reveal it, God will heal it. You know what I mean? If God will show that forth, that might just be the faith that they needed to have, that little bit of word to rise up their faith to go, oh, I want to get a hold of what Jesus has for me. Amen? So it may be a word. It, it may be an action. It, I don't know what it will be. But every day this week, we're going to train ourselves. If he says he's the resurrection and the, and the life, and that power, man, such a difference. Wherever he went, Lord God, we're, we're your people. And so today we want that to happen in our lives as well this week. So pray and pour. If you forget these things, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv, and it'll show you the scriptures that you're reading. Again, this week, John chapter 1 to John chapter 7, and then praying and pouring. Can we pray? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you're like, man, that's the Jesus I want to serve, not some dead religious thing. But I want to serve a living God. Never made a commitment to Jesus. She didn't have you come forward. But I just want to see if that's you for the first time. You, you've never made a commitment to Jesus. But you're like, I want to serve him. If you would, hold your hand up so pastor can see. Is there anybody here today? Anyone? Or maybe for you, you're like, you know, it's been a long time since I really, really have went after him and the things of God. And you want to restore and renew your relationship today. Is that you? If you would, hold up your hand. Anyone today? Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you today, and we thank you. We thank you that we don't have a, a religion, but a relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you that, man, you're all powerful, all able. <laughs> Could spend time with anybody, but you choose to spend time with us could lead to anyone, but you, you're our shepherd, our good shepherd, and we're the sheep of your pasture. 
Lord God, we thank you for that. And this week, we look forward to seeing how your resurrection power will fill us in prayer and pour out of us in purpose in the name of Jesus. Can you all give God a big, huge praise today? Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.